Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Ensemble and Instrumentalists, for leading us so well in worship this morning and so beautifully. I'm glad you're able to gather with us this morning. I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity to be able to speak to you. Worship gatherings everywhere are very different, aren't they? We used to gather physically, but now it's virtually. We've had to trade sanctuaries for our living rooms. Our faces were once illumined through stained glass on Sunday mornings. Now our faces are lit up through the backlight of our touchscreen devices. These are strange times. Circumstances during our, uh, this time have, have changed so fast, too. I think that's part of the deal. And it's the type of change that we've experienced. The way we work has changed. The way we shop has changed. Things are moving so fast. We know change is inevitable and it's a part of life and we've been through many changes over the course of our lives. Think about just how much the phone has changed. Have you thought about it? It's so different. You can do anything on your phone now. The way we answer phones is so different. Do you remember the kind of anticipation you had when the phone would ring and you had no idea who it was? Who could it be? Life was so full of promise, pre-caller ID, wasn't it? It could be anybody. Could be a neighbor looking for some sugar. Could be a long lost friend. Could be somebody wanting to give me some money. Could be a barber who just had an appointment open up. Oh Lord, please let it be the barber. Please, please let it be the barber. We used to say things when we would answer the phone like, uh, Holmes residence, you remember that? They were different times for sure. Now when someone calls, we think there must be a serious emergency. Someone's lopped off a limb Younger generations do more texting than talking, so they have more broken phones than working ones because it startles us when the phone rings and we think, what's happening? What's, it's ringing. Get it off, get it off, get it off. And we drop them and we break them. Someone being at the door has changed over our lifetimes. There was a time when it was so exciting. Who could be at the door? The doorbell rang. We jumped up. Someone's knocking. We've got to go. Who could be there? I always hoped it would be one of my friends who would say, let's go play some baseball or go swimming or do something fun. Who is at the door? Older generations once asked, is it the milkman, a friendly vacuum salesman, or that meddling Melba from next door with the latest neighborhood gossip? Now the doorbell rings. It is three o'clock in the afternoon. Who could it be? Did you guys invite somebody over? Flip the couch over, get behind it, get a fireplace poker. This is not a drill. Code company. Times have changed. Now we've gone from being extra cautious to a little crazy over quarantine, haven't we? When the doorbell rings, you approach it like a detective in the 80s from a police drama. 
standing on the other side of the door with a can of disinfectant inside a bubble, and inside that bubble wearing a beekeeper suit. Who's there? What business do you have with me? UPS. UPS. You think just because you don the uniform, because you bear the brown, you can go anywhere you want. Drop the box, back away, and nobody gets generic disinfectant to the eyes. They're all sold out of the real stuff. <laughs> you carry the package to the garage with the care of a bomb squad robot. <laughs> then you bleach the box, burn it with fire, cross your gloved fingers and hope for the best. My, 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 things have changed. <laughs> have you ever been more aware of just how much we are not in control? In these changing times, there's something that never changes, something we're never going to be more sure of than right now, the reality that we need Jesus. One man we'll discuss today found himself in such a kindred condition. A large crowd of Passover pilgrims followed Jesus and his disciples to Jericho, Jesus now is on his way to Jerusalem and ultimately on his way to the cross. There were actually two cities named Jericho, one in ruins and one about a mile away where Herod the Great and his successors built a lavish palace. Matthew records there's also two blind beggars sitting in the road. Mark and Luke tell us there's one named Bartimaeus. It's likely that Mark and Luke focused on that one Bartimaeus because he was the most vocal of the two. Bartimaeus had heard that Jesus of Nazareth, the healer, would be coming by, that he was the one who was making the noise with the crowd. He wanted to get his attention and have mercy shown to him to be healed. All three gospel accounts place him on the side of a road. It was a common sight. Bartimaeus was probably in his normal spot. Many people suffered from eye ailments at the time. It was a very common occurrence. So a blind beggar outside a wealthy city like Jericho surprised zero people. What was surprising to so many is that when Jesus saw him, when Jesus heard him, when Jesus crossed his path, he stopped and he called to him. Bartimaeus was forever transformed the day that Jesus walked his way. I believe this passage has significant implications for today. And furthermore, significant implications for this season now. And you can be certain that God's word has the power to be transformational in our lives. Will you turn on or turn in your copy of God's word and meet me there? Mark chapter 10, I'll begin in verse 47. Mark chapter 10, verse 47, it says this. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. And he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, 
call him here. When Bartimaeus was informed that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he clamored for his attention, began to yell, Jesus, have mercy on me. No doubt there were reports that Jesus was the one who would restore sight. When many people kept rebuking him, telling him to be silent, he cried out more intensely. They probably regarded him as a nuisance or someone that would cause a delay, much like when you leave to go on a trip and you're not even out of the city limits yet and someone in the vehicle from the back says, ooh, could we just for a moment stop? I've got to run to the bathroom and just for a minute. And everyone in the vehicle collectively has a gathering, a gathering of groans. They probably didn't want to delay this trip. The, the occasion when Bartimaeus calls out son of David occurring here for the first time in Mark designated the Messiah as David's descendant. This is a messianic title. Bartimaeus using this title likely indicated that despite his physical blindness, he believed Jesus of Nazareth was Israel's Messiah, which ironically was in contrast with the blind unbelief of many Jews. People with Jesus just continually rebuked him. However, a curious thing happens when Jesus hears him. He stops, stills, and acknowledges the man. See, when you you don't care, you direct your path away from the hollering, hurting one. You keep your head down and keep walking. When you don't care, you plug your ears with pleasant music. You drown out the noise so you don't have to hear the unsettling cares of those who are calling out. The first key truth I want us to consider this morning is this. Jesus cares for the broken. Jesus cares for the broken. Right where you're at, will you say that with me? Jesus cares for the broken. Even though people would try to rebuke him, Jesus has his ears tuned and turn toward the hurting. Over and over in God's word, it's clear. Jesus cares for the broken. It is worth noting that Mark makes a distinction with the group that's with Jesus. There's a crowd and there's his disciples there journeying together. Now the Bible doesn't tell us exactly who is rebuking this man crying out. It may have been his disciples. They certainly had their moments, but you can be sure, a genuine Christ follower will not seek to mute the needs of the hurting, but to meet them. While many can't be burdened with blind beggars, Jesus wasn't bothered a bit by the broken. Jesus has a history of caring for such people, furthermore, He was and is the type of shepherd that would leave the 99 and go to find the one that was lost. Oh, to be sure he cares for the crowd. Matthew records that Jesus went into cities and villages proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he was moved with 
compassion for them. Matthew later records in the account of this healing that Jesus was again moved with compassion for Bartimaeus, for the few. He cares for the broken. From 1986 to 1990, Frank Reed was held in hostage in a Lebanese cell. For months at a time, Reed was blindfolded, living in complete darkness. He was chained to a wall often, kept in absolute silence. On one occasion, he was moved to another room, and although he was blindfolded, he could sense others in the room, yet it was weeks, it was weeks before he dared peek to see that there were other men there. Although he was beaten, made ill, tormented, Reed felt most the lack of anyone caring. He said in an interview with Time, Nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how withering it is to exist with not a single expression of caring around me. I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares, you are truly alone. Believer, despite the brokenness we face, you are never alone. You are never without the care of Christ. You may be tempted to believe no one sees that in the midst of your suffering, your loss, your confusion, your concern, your anxiety, that no one understands, no one cares, you can be sure Jesus cares. Cares about the big things and the seemingly small things. He cares for the entire whole of people groups and the individual that cries out in need. Truly, we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Bartimaeus was blind, but he could still see he needed Jesus. Do you see your need for him? Jesus cares for the broken and then Jesus calls for the broken. Look at verse 49 with me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Mark uses one word in the text for call. In this usage, it means to call out in a loud, audible voice. Much like we would call out if we were lost or hurt and there was no one around and we would project our voice in in hopes that someone would hear and come and help us. Mark says Bartimaeus jumped up, he threw off his cloak and when he was told Jesus called to him, this garment, it was like a a covering, much like a, a large blanket or cloak that would cover Uh, enough where a, a man could sleep in this. When he heard Jesus was calling to him, he cast it off. He didn't want to be tripped up by it. I guess the modern equivalent would be if you were asleep and someone in your house yelled out, hey, I made pancakes, and the the struggle that would ensue afterwards with the comforter. 
He wanted to get rid of that cloak and get to Jesus. He leapt up and threw aside his cloak and he came to Jesus. The words of the crowd changed quickly from frustration to almost friendly. He's calling for you. Aren't you thankful for technology in a, in a time like this? I know I am. By now, we've probably all been on FaceTime or an equivalent program, probably been on many Zoom calls. Remember the first Zoom call that you were on during this quarantine? You figured out how to log on. You were excited to see everyone. They were in little squares. Oh, my goodness, there they are. Now, isn't this fun? This is really fun. You felt like you were beating the system with your nice, appropriate shirt However, with your sneaky flannel PJ pants just out of view, you sly dog. Now, when it's time for a Zoom call after so many, you don't jump up to the computer quite as quickly. You get on again, and of course, Carl still hasn't figured out how to use the mute button. Karen's going to obviously dominate the conversation again. There's always that one lady who sounds like She's having some sort of warfare happening at her house. Maybe she's taking on mortar fire. Everyone struggles to hear. Hmm. We've learned that whether it's a meeting in person or by proxy, some folks still haven't learned how to silence their cell phone. You know, we don't hop up to get on that call quite as quickly, do we? You're still excited to hear from Jesus. Like Bartimaeus, do you still jump up at the chance to encounter Jesus? He calls to the broken. Bartimaeus, he casts off this cloak that was keeping him from getting to Christ quickly. He had to toss it aside to free himself up and head to Jesus. Is there anything tripping you up, holding you back? a sin that so easily entangles. Something happening that hinders you from running to Jesus. Maybe Jesus is helping you see some attitudes, some behaviors, some patterns that have held you back, kept you from coming to Jesus when he calls. Maybe today is the day when he calls you to cast them down and come to him. He is calling for you. Jesus cares for the broken. Jesus calls for the broken. And Jesus is the cure for the broken. Look at verse 51 with me. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. What do you want me to do for you? That sure seems like a strange question to ask a blind man. Well, Jesus, I was wondering if you could give me directions to that little cafe back in Jericho. They have outdoor seating, fresh bread, tastes like manna. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's probably not as good. But could you just push me in the right direction? 
It's actually the same question Jesus had asked James, John, and Salome earlier in the chapter. Jesus wanted to give the man opportunity to express himself, give his testimony of his own faith. What did he really believe Jesus could do for him? Rabbi, I want to see. This declared his confident trust in Jesus' ability. Rabbi is an emphatic, personal form, meaning my Lord, my master. I want to regain my sight. I want to recover my sight. I want to be able to, to see again. See, the Messiah was known to give sight to the blind. Jesus acknowledges his faith. Go, your faith has healed you or saved you. Faith was the necessary means, not the efficient cause of his healing. Bartimaeus' physical salvation, deliverance from darkness or blindness to light or sight was an outward picture of his spiritual salvation. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147 tells us that he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Certainly Jesus has the power to heal our physical brokenness and we praise him for that wonderful truth. However, he has already once and for all healed our spiritual brokenness. 1 Peter chapter two, and while being reviled, he did not revile and in turn in return, while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. See, the truth is, his brokenness cured our brokenness. His wounds healed our wounds. Only when our eyes have been fixed on the cross do they truly focus. We can't see reality until we look through the lens of the cross. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem ultimately would lead Jesus there. What do we do when the world falls apart? Where do we turn when we have no answers? Who can we trust? Where do we go to be mended when we are broken? Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. It was Jesus then on that Jericho road. And it's Jesus now. And forever, the answer will be Jesus. He was and is the cure for our brokenness. That's the good news of the gospel. Have you cried out for his gracious mercy? Have you put your faith in him, called on him as Lord? He cares for you. He calls for you. He's the cure for your brokenness. Immediately, Mark tells us, Bartimaeus received his sight. He began to follow Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus pictured discipleship so clearly. He recognized his inability. 
trusted Jesus as the one to give him God's gracious mercy. And when he could see clearly, he began to follow him. Jesus cares for the broken. Jesus calls for the broken. And Jesus is the cure for the broken. I wonder, do you see yourself in Bartimaeus' story? We are all beggars for mercy and for grace. I wonder, in this season of being sidelined, sitting outside the city in seeming anonymity, distanced from the crowd, confused with the clamor of all the noise, unable to see what's, what's ahead, if this might be about more than just the frustration we might experience, more than just an inconvenience, more than just a time to sit and consider what we had, what is missing, all that we've lost. Maybe it's now we can recognize our blind spots, our brokenness. Maybe this is an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to in faith cry out to him, a time to cast off what encumbers us and get up and go to Jesus. Could this be a time for you and I to see again? Do you hear the noise of the crowd approaching? He cares for you, and he's calling for you too. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, Master, help us see. Pray with me. Lord, we do look to you. God, we, we are aware of our need for you. We are aware of our brokenness. We are aware that you are Lord. You are sovereign. You are in control. Lord, collectively, we confess our need for you. We want to cry out to you in our brokenness. And Lord, in this time, in this season, open our eyes so that we may see. Reveal to us what you'd have us see. God, we thank you that you haven't left us alone. That you're our God. You're our Father. God, we're thankful that you care for us and you call to us and you can cure our brokenness. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Will you help us now as we cry out to you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.